welcome back to the Good News Cast. As always, Colin Coates here with Jeff Patton. Um, today, we are going to talk about talking to non-Christians about yeah. Christianity. And here's how I want to take this, because we just spoke for about negative 30 seconds about where to take this podcast. Um, Jeff's got to go in nine minutes. Nine minutes uh, in Kelly. This is what I've learned about, I think, Sometimes this is what I'm thinking. Sometimes yeah. in the church, I think when we talk about evangelism and talking to uh, people about mm-hmm. the gospel and about the Bible and things like that, um, I think in the church sometimes accidentally, we maybe think it's a tougher thing to do than it really is. Um, I had someone recently kind of talking about how sometimes trusting the Bible, believing the Bible is really hard because they're skeptical and they ask questions like, why, why should I believe this? Like who wrote this? Yeah. And I think sometimes those kind of questions can be intimidating to Christians. But as I was kind of fielding those questions in my head, I was thinking, Hey, those are great questions. Mm. I mean, my toddlers ask those questions naturally. Those are good questions to ask. Why should I trust the Bible? Um, where does the Bible come from? Who wrote the Bible? These are all questions that commentaries deal with, you know, that we're always dealing with. I think sometimes in the church we get scared and we think, oh, we've got to have these grandiose answers to everything uh, or these like mental puzzles. But what I found again and again is that talking to non-Christians and thinking through those quote unquote really tough questions sometimes is a lot more simple than we think. Um, I'm going to figure out as I talk out loud how to throw a question to you, (laughs) but let me, I'll give an example of what I'm talking about. So a very common objection to Christianity sometimes is, you know, okay, we have this book that we're basing our beliefs on, basing what we believe about eternal life and all these sorts of things on, but it's a really old book. It was written by a bunch of different people over hundreds and hundreds of years, and then it's translated uh, and gets to us in English, like, ah, you know, heck with that. There's no way I can trust that. Right. And that's a very, that is a, a very tough question to, to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you understand just a little bit about the Bible and about literature in general, about ancient literature, it actually becomes a very easy uh, question to field. And again, I'm just using an example here of something mm-hmm. that can seem scary, but then can be somewhat easy to, to talk through because, you can, in a conversation like that, you can say, hey, let's let's put aside believing the Bible. Like, that that's fine. You say you don't believe the Bible, you don't trust the Bible. Um, okay, but let's take it just as an ancient piece of literature. Is there another piece of literature, regardless if you believe what it says, yeah. if you take another ancient piece of literature mm-hmm. um, or any ancient piece of literature, is there one that is more trustworthy in terms of what we have today than the Bible? And the answer is no. Correct. Um, So this is where that really tough, scary question can get really easy because you go, okay, you read the Iliad in high school, or you read this ancient uh, classical text in college. Did you once ask the question about, hey, when was this written? And how many times has it been translated? And can we really trust that this is what the author wrote? The answer is probably no. Your teacher, you, your class, you probably never thought or or wondered, is this Iliad really the Iliad that the Iliad author wrote? Right. Full disclosure, never read it. Don't know what it's about. Right, right. (laughs) But the answer is no. Um, 
we we have a, a kind of an implicit trust that you know experts in the field of the Iliad have done the work and they've they've basically said yeah we basically know what was original and yeah. and whatever and we do that and we know that through copies so you have the original Iliad that was penned um, and then you're going to have copies of it you know and then of course the original gets lost mm-hmm. this copy gets lost but then we retain x amount of copies all these copies yeah so to wrap up this example when you look at the bible we have 5500 or 6000 plus copies manuscripts pieces of the bible do we have the original philippians we're preaching through philippians do we have the original paper that paul touched the original quill <laughs> typewriter that he used whatever right. no uh-huh. well okay how many copies do we have of philippians or let's just say the whole bible the whole old testament new testament copies pieces fragments the Bible is number one. Yeah. Just as an, well, I don't believe the Bible. Okay, that's fine. Just side table that for a second. Yeah. As an ancient piece of literature, can you trust that what we have today translated in English is what was actually penned? We can trust the Bible as an ancient piece of literature far and above every other ancient piece of literature we have because it's just been so prolifically copied yeah. and analyzed and scrutinized. So if there was one book that we should trust regarding what we have today versus what was actually originally penned in the autograph, the autograph meaning that original Philippians letter. Mm. The Bible is the most trustworthy ancient piece of literature. Yeah, hands down, the most historic document ever written. So that's just a small example of a scary, tough question that sometimes Christians might get, and they go, oh my goodness, how do I defend the authenticity of the Bible? Um, And then... So once you get there, you go, hey, if you trust any history, right? Like the his- Gettysburg Address, I- any of it, right? Any ancient piece of literature, a- ancient piece of news, uh, did the Holocaust happen? Yeah. You know, like that's like this controversial thing where you have the Holocaust deniers. Yeah. If you trust any of that, then you should trust that the Bible you have is what was originally written. And we can even know where there's discrepancies, where this manuscript, the scribe, messed up here, and he makes his note that he yeah. he messed that up and he corrected it, whatever. And it's particles. It's it's indefinite articles. It's tiny. Yeah. In, it, it's not like, man, all the manuscripts we have really uh, contradict themselves regarding like the divinity of Christ. Correct. No, it's like, is this an A yeah. or an an? Yeah. I mean, it's particles. And tiny it's, I think, And I think it was only like, if you pieced them all together, it's like... A, a fragment of like four or five fragments. I mean, of that kind of stuff, which it's, is it's mind minuscule. blowing. It's minuscule and yeah. it's and it's insignificant. The discrepancies we might have or the things basically, we're still questioning. Basically, you have to throw out every historical document and every historical event if you throw the Bible out. So what that does is, to a reasonable person, you say, "Hey, you don't have to believe the Bible yet." But now, if you're a reasonable person. Uh, regarding ancient texts and ancient literature, now we we very quickly are to the point in that conversation where you go, okay, now we should be on the same page about the authenticity of this ancient book. Now, what arena have we moved into? Now we've moved into the arena of what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Because this ancient text written by real people that we can trace back to a real people, real lands, real cultures is saying that there was this guy named Jesus that extra biblical uh, uh, texts, uh, 
outside of the Bible also confirm, by the way, mm-hmm. there was this real man named Jesus who really died. Lots of people said they saw him rise from the dead. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be able to forgive you of all of your sins. Uh, and and the Bible says if you don't believe in him, you'll you'll end up in eternal destruction. And if you do end up uh, believe if you do believe in him, you'll end up with eternal life. So now that we've established it's a very trustworthy ancient text, now what do you do? Yeah. Right? Do you believe it or not? And if you're not going to believe it, you can't go, well, we just can't trust the translation. No, no, no. We've already established we can. We already established. So what are you going to do about the whole John 3.16 thing? Point being, there's a small example of a tough question that has a lot more simple very reasonable, yeah. logical answer, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to immediately jump to like, I don't know about that, but do you believe John three sixteen? Yeah. No, no, okay, that's fine. Those are legitimate questions. Why should we trust the Bible? Let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, I do think people get paralyzed, and Christians in particular, thinking about, oh, I have to master all this stuff yeah. before I can even have a conversation with somebody who might be skeptical or might doubt or, uh, and. And it's good to be informed and it's good to like what we're doing right now. It's good to gather the truth that's out there about all of this. And it's a whole field called apologetics, which is absolutely wonderful. Um, But I do think just even listening to someone and having someone actually try to pinpoint where they're struggling is a magnificent work that God's doing in their life. Um, just even to be, you're having a conversation with somebody and you just, you just play Sherlock Holmes and be just incredibly curious and just keep asking them questions and asking them questions about their questions. And that process is amazing. And that process God is greatly at work in because it might be the first time that they're actually giving voice and having to think through what it is they're struggling Mm -hmm. with. And and it might be something like this. They might have a legit struggle with, and so many people wrote the, you know, this whole discussion. Mm-hmm. And you can say, well, there's some good news. Here's mm-hmm. some really good news about that that might help you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I was overseas and when I was in the, uh, in more of the campus ministry, these kind of questions were like predominant. Uh, so I, I would, would, want to have an arsenal. I'd want to know right. the data. I'd want to know this stuff. But I, I found that my most constructive conversations with Ivy League kids and with um, university students in Moscow or in Almaty or in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan, that uh, it, they really wanted to be listened to. Mm-hmm. And when you're really curious, it creates an interesting dynamic where the significance of Christianity can be highlighted in light of all the other belief systems in the mm-hmm. world without even diving into particular um, skeptical questions that people struggle with. Mm-hmm. Like you don't even have to get into the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't even have to get into the, the historical sources. I would say things just basic like, you know what's unique about Christianity? I'm not saying it doesn't mean that Christianity's true. It's just very unique. And that is, is if you take all the major religions of the world and all the major belief systems of the world and take their founder and you take the founder out of those belief systems or those teachings of every major religion in the world, you still have that religion and that belief system. Mm -hmm. 
And what's your belief system? You know, I talk to them. Okay, let's say it's Jeff Hatton's philosophy of life. If you take me out of my philosophy of life, you still have my philosophy, mm-hmm. my teaching, uh, because it's not dependent upon the person. None of the belief systems in the world today are dependent upon the person. What's unique about Christianity doesn't mean it's true. But what's unique is if you take Jesus out of the Bible, you no longer have Christianity. Mm-hmm. And that's because of his unique claim to be God mm-hmm. and to have come and died on the cross and rose from the dead. So these are true. So if I was an investigative person and I was trying to narrow down like, you know, oh, what about the Eastern religions or what about these other belief systems and all of world history? Mm-hmm. I'd start with Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's the one I would start with. For sure. Right? Because this person is claiming to be God. You take him out of Christianity, there is no Christianity. Mm-hmm. But you can take Confucius out of Confucianism. You can take Muhammad out of Muhammadism. Mm-hmm. You can take whatever out of any other religion, and you can still follow the teachings. It's good teachings. And I think the other thing I think was important, uh, just just to encourage all of us, it's you don't have to take a class in apologetics and have it all spelled out for you in order to have these conversations. And the other one I said, the other thing that's unique about Christianity is that all the other belief systems and religions of the world were, are all trying to somehow connect with God are all somehow, or connect with a impersonal force or connect with some sense of paradise or Nirvana or some way of tapping into something cosmic and universal. In other words, I would draw an arrow and just say, from us, we're, we're trying to reach mm-hmm. something. Again, this doesn't mean that Christianity's true. It's just unique. Mm-hmm. And that Christianity is actually God coming down to mm-hmm. us as opposed to us trying to attain whatever it is we're mm-hmm. trying to attain. So again, unique, incredibly unique. Mm-hmm. And if you're an investigative person, if you're a curious person, Christianity would be a great place to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, I to to wrap this up again. That's a very simple way of thinking through, like talking to people. I think that's a golden nugget of going. The church needs to not be afraid of of the of people's uh, questions, their skeptical questions. Like, why should I believe this? Thank God you're asking that question. It's actually much harder to get someone to care. You yeah. know, oh, you actually. I can tell you've actually thought a little bit, like you've wrestled a little bit in your heart and your mind, your conscience about life and death. And Christianity says some wild things about it. Yeah. It would make sense for me to wrestle with that. I, to, to, to wrap this up, I think about it. There's a local cemetery, a really pretty cemetery that that's right by our house that uh, we'll take walks through with our kids, mm-hmm. you know? And if you, if there were 10 graves and it was like Gandhi and Muhammad and Joseph Smith and go down the list of all these religious leaders. Right. And it's like dead, 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 all dead. Right. And then you see all their headstones and then you see, uh, one headstone that says, you know, Jesus of Nazareth or whatever. And someone's walking you through and they're like dead. He was buried here, dead. He was buried. Muhammad was buried here. Gandhi was buried here. And then this Jesus Christ one is super interesting. Jesus, uh, uh, the founder of Christianity, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people um, uh, said that they saw him after he was verified dead and buried. 
Um, and then we could never find his body, actually. Like, we, he was actually buried here. We can verify that. But then, like, his body is gone. And then hundreds of people said that they saw him raised from the dead. And they maintained that to their death. Yeah. Like, they were killed for it. Um, so unless they were willing to die for an outrageous lie, this grave right here in this cemetery is super historically weird, yeah. right? Again, going back to your point of like, start with Christianity. Yeah. If I took Unique. you on that walk in that cemetery and I told you that story, I said, all these other founders, dead, verified dead, nobody said they were raised from the dead, nothing. Their bodies are still here. We can dig up their bones today. We could never find Jesus of Nazareth bones. And on top of that, it's not just that someone seemingly stole his bones or his body tons of people said he raised from the dead and they were willing to die for that claim you would as a non-christian if you're a reasonable person you would come out of that story and you'd go i'm going to start with jesus yeah i'm going to start investigating what in the world happened here because death is my ultimate enemy and my problem headed my way like a train yeah Muhammad apparently couldn't beat it because he's still here. Joseph Smith, founder of Mormonism, he's still here. All these guys are still here. They're saying Jesus is not. And on top of that, they're saying that Jesus said, if you believe in him, you'll rise from the dead. I'm going to just start massively investigating this and get to the bottom of it. You know, real simple way of just going like, hey, maybe I don't have all the answers for you right now at lunch, but like we should start this investigative journey and you should start it and you should take it to its, its end. I think that's a great, and then, and if the person's willing, you say, hey, um, do you, if, if you want to investigate this stuff together, read some stuff together and talk about it, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. But it, you, you began a very easy, safe, uh, unique focus, curious, and yeah. then you focus the energy where it needs to be, which is, uh, I mean, I love, you know, I love Spurgeon's illustration of, uh, Christianity or Jesus being a lion and that a lion does not need to be protected, mm-hmm. that you need to be protected from the lion. And so you, we don't need to be afraid of the questions and yeah. we don't need to be afraid of, quote, evidence that demands a verdict. And we don't, we don't need to be afraid of any of that yeah. because uh, he's his own authenticator. Yeah. And so let's just get exposed to him. Let's yeah. just investigate him yeah. uh, and watch what happens. Because you can have all the right answers. And this is a great point to end on. As a Christian, we have to always understand, like, even all the right answers, we're not just trying to get people to believe in, in like, right answers theoretically. Yeah. Um, in the sense that demons have the right answers. They know Jesus ra- rose from the dead, and they they reject him, right? So mm-hmm. you could give someone all the right answers, and they know everything undeniably, but the ultimate problem is that in our sinful hearts, we still naturally left to ourselves would go, yeah, I don't care. Like, I don't care that he rose from the dead. He is God on the throne. I'm going to shoot him the middle finger on yeah. my way to hell. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I believe all that's true. I think yeah. it's all real and I don't like him. So the ultimate, we know Christians behind the scene, the prayer is, well, if this Jesus lion is still alive and on the prowl, well, we know, okay, Jesus, you just have to show up and meet this person, you know, and show yourself to him undeniably. Mm. And that could happen at the end of them getting all the answers. And it could happen where they're like, I've got a hundred questions. I still don't have answers to, but, but Jesus just showed up. Yeah. 
He just showed up, yeah. you know, in, in his word and in the gospel. Undeniably, I've met him. I still don't understand X, Y, and Z. I don't have, I, you know, I still have all these skeptical questions and doubts and, and whatever, but I know for a fact he's alive, yeah. right? That's how Christianity works. So, Perfect. all right, um, Jeff's got to go. Peace.